Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do not adjust your mobile phones. This is the Terrorist Scottish Football Podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrorist Scottish Football Podcast. If you want your balls handled in a cup draw, I've got just the man for you. It's Duncan Mackay. Hi, Gary. I bet you loved that part of it, didn't you? I, I didn't realise it had been edited to such a degree. Uh, I knew a lot of things about that uh, segment is I didn't really remember doing them. Um, much like the cup draw itself. Like someone asked me afterwards, like, who got who in the draw? I was like, oh, no idea. <laughs> I just said some numbers. And to the left of me, I have Twitter.com's Robert Borthwick. Yep, introduce second again. Thank you very much, Gary. No, no problem. Anytime. Pleasure. Pleasure I can't even claim it's alphabetical. <laughs> well, I could. Duncan, yeah. Robert. Yeah. And then me. Borthwick Mackay. Yeah. Which just sound like an Edinburgh solicitor's firm. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust yeah. them. No. no. So mm-hmm. as usual on Thursday, we've just got a bit of a smorgasbord for you. Um, so we're going to kick off today with a topic that is generating literally... Tens of comments. T- tens of comments. Uh, it's the Scotland squad announcement of this week. Uh, the big news, obviously, is that Steve Clark has signed his own death warrant by bringing in uh, Lawrence Shankland. Double header, uh, big double header yeah, which, as he made the squad. Which we'll obviously discuss. Um, and the news today as well that Liam Cooper has dropped out of the squad. So Liam Cooper, we hardly... No. I know, it's no. okay. It's okay. Cooper! We've called up Declan Gallagher. No, we've not, we've not called up Declan Gallagher at all. Um, so there's been uh, a couple of news stories there. So let's go with the biggie first, which is the call to bring in Lawrence Shankland. Duncan, I'm going to turn to you. Do you think the man with Scotland's biggest forehead is the guy who's going to bring us great joy? Scotland's biggest forehead sounds like a Channel 4 show. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's what Quick Cheat Help is going to be presenting next month. No, uh, <laughs> oh. uh, just because he's a good presenter, I wasn't a dickhead, people. I'll make that clear. Uh, pointless. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, I mean I, that, I'm like, like, admittedly, when you look at it, we don't have, we don't have a great depth in terms of strikers uh, in Scotland. I don't think you solve that by t- uh, calling up someone who plays in the Championship, yeah. who... Let's be honest, if he was that good, would have been signed by someone in the Premiership during the summer or someone down in England during the summer. Not Dundee United. 
you're currying in favour with the hosts, and I like that. I mean, we should uh, probably preface this by saying that the two games that we've got coming up, they're as dead rubber as dead rubber can be, aren't yes. they, Rob? Because what is what is the point? What is San Marino? I thought the question was going to be. I still don't know. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to counter that. Why not? Why not call up the guy who's scoring loads of goals? When we did, no, we, did, we didn't do it for Stephen Doby. When there's no, Stephen Doby's about fifty. And so and what? Look at still, look the, at the, argue, the argument look is the same. He scored one goal this season. Well, we could easily say that about Lauren Shanklin next season. I don't know what. Well, no, I don't. Um, no, I, I think that. I mean, what are the alternatives? Stephen Naismith's injured. Lee Griffiths uh, obviously is having conversations with Steve Clark, but obviously not quite ready to go back into the international fold. Matt Phillips is a horse. So what what else what else do we have? It's we have Ollie McBurney and that's it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, yeah. I, and, and so so why not why not pick the guy that is scoring loads of goals? He's got a, a bit of verve about him just now, and we're playing San Marino. And there's also the and Russia, but we're playing San Marino, and and but, why not why not bring him into the squad? I mean, Clark's even said that himself. Bring him in, see how he deals with playing with players of a better caliber, because he's like, well, yes, he is absolutely aware that he's playing in the championship, but why not bring him in? See how he does with with. I mean, I said higher caliber. It's only with Burnley, but <laughs> see how he does playing uh, with players who, who play in uh, respective better leagues. And there is also the fact that let's be honest, he's not going to be playing in the championship for long. I think the reason that he signed for Dundee United partly was the massive bags of cash that the American owner dumped on his desk and went have it, but also is because it's a chance for him to almost put himself in the shop window. He knows that Dundee United uh, will likely get promoted this season as well, so. Worst case scenario, Can't he's you're resigned to that already. Uh, uh, they've, they've bought the league. It's really unfair, but there we go. <laughs> uh, but it's, I'm still working out my uh, sort of line on this, but I'll get there eventually. You've, you've I'll zero in months. on it. You've got yeah. a few months. Yeah. Um, but he's either going to be playing in the Scottish Premiership with them next season, uh, which let's face it, he could have been playing the Scottish Premiership this season, but he'll just get there a season later, having built up some confidence, built up some game time because he's still actually not had that much game time yeah. over the course of his career as well. Or he puts himself in the shop window and someone takes a punt on him that wouldn't have taken a punt on him based on what he did for Air United, say. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being called up to the Scotland squad, uh, as Rob said, I mean, what are the alternatives, really? Especially if, for the next few games, all we're trying to do is find something that works for... Uh, I've forgotten the name of it. Nations League. There you go. Nations, Nations League. League. How could you possibly yeah. forget the name of it? <laughs> our one chance, just our one shot at qualification for Euro 2020. Well, it's actually our second shot. We've just absolutely ruined this one. Um, well, we all know he's our just, one remaining shot. He's, he's just a placeholder until Craig Whiten comes back from injury. Absolutely. Uh, as, yeah. as we all well know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you can I sense enthusiasm about the Scotland team, but what, I mean, what do you think I, we should be I, doing I with got, these two I, re- I got that the sense of enthusiasm was reeking even from the SFA in their email newsletter thing, which uh, put Pez twenty twenty ahead of the Scotland squad announcement in the in the header, the title uh, to your subject line. I was like, oh, so that's what we're leading with, is it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Shanklin will probably not play against Russia, so you're sticking them for maybe come on against San Marino whatever we kind of did that with Mark McNulty and that kind of ended his, <laughs> his, his, his international <laughs> career as well so maybe is it a good or bad thing to always have that but you could maybe be an international player as opposed to no you are not an international player like just we're going to play you and remove all doubt that you're not an international player it kind of shows that the options have been exhausted because we did that with Tony Watt as well uh, Tony Watt a couple of years ago came into the squad played a game hasn't been seen since 
in uh, Sofia now. Though, he's, so he's, in, he's in Sofia uh, and playing well, apparently. So yeah. Tony Watt should have been called up. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, you, you say that about McNulty as well. There's no harm in it. There's no harm in it at all. And I think that, yeah, the, the boy's banging in goals left, right and centre, hat-tricks all over the place. He's confident. Does it, does, Start him against San Marino, see if he can score a goal. But does this, uh, is this a rod for Steve Clark's back in the sense that if now that anyone that starts banging goals at any level, so if there's a, if there's a, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think, if someone in the Premiership right now that goes on a, uh, that goes on a, a huge scoring streak between now and the, uh, the Nations League fight, is that, are they guaranteed to a cop like you know I'm not saying they're definitely guaranteed but is it not makes it more more difficult for Clark to say actually we're not given um, why can I not think of a Scottish born striker at the moment in the Premiership Eamon um, uh, Brophy Eamon oh, Brophy's already been called up though yeah. if you know what I mean yeah so um, yeah, I don't know yeah it just uh, I, I can't get enthused by it too much but I'm, I, I seem to be quite indignant for someone that can't get enthused by it so I don't really know what's going on I can't remember the last time I was enthused for a Scotland squad announcement um, but I was enthused enough to, to nearly pass comment on it on Twitter <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had the tweet written and I just deleted it because I was like, do you know what what's the point uh, but it was nothing to do with Shanklin because I kind of expected it as I say I've not got an issue with it my issue is with uh, the defence Yes, so let's go to the defence. Um, there's, as I mentioned earlier, there's already been uh, a player that's pulled out. Uh, so Liam Cooper is out for. No, no, not Liam Cooper. Yeah, it's okay. Ah, you remind us. We'll get Sorry. through this together. It's I'm fine. Not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm making sure. Yeah, it's, it's Liam Cooper, not Liam Palmer. This is the yes. thing. This is the level of excitement that it's generating. Yeah. Uh, he has pulled out, and he has been replaced by Stuart Finlay of Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody will. Be aware, I say everybody, anyone that looks at social media once in a blue moon will be aware that there was a bit of a hype train being built around Declan Gallagher as a centre-back option. Robert Borthwick, what opinion do you have? I think Declan Gallagher is a very, very fine defender. I think he showed that last year at Livingston. I think he's continuing to show that at Motherwell just now. Um, But I I don't see where this... (laughs) This club-driven hype train. Uh, I, I just find it a bit weird, uh, if anything, um, a bit weird. I think the toss of a coin between Gallagher and Findlay, seeing as Halkett's injured. Yeah, Halkett yeah. Yeah. Hal- would have been the one if he hadn't nobbled himself at the weekend there. Um, but I think toss of a coin between Findlay and Gallagher, two mm-hmm. centre-halves who are unlikely to start or feature in either yeah. game. I think it's a total 50-50 for me because Findlay obviously has shown it uh, Kilmarnock especially under Steve Clark which means he's a trusted entity mm-hmm. uh, by the manager as well Declan Gallagher um, won loads of plaudits with, with Livingston last year he was part of that incredibly solid back three all Scottish centre-halves uh, and he's got the Motherwell and he's you know he's, he's chipping in he's an incredibly important part of their attack and their defence because obviously uh, Liam Polworth manages to find his head on every single <laughs> corner he's ever taken so he's, he's showing really key attributes at both ends of the park but I think, you know, the, the, the hype train is, is for me just a little bit weird and a bit jarring. And it's like, I, I don't know what it is about it. I'm just... Because let's face it, it's going to be Hanley and Mulgrew at the bat. Grant, of course it is. Grant yeah. Hanley, who for about 10 years I've been convinced he's nearing retirement. He's only 27. <laughs> what? Grant Hanley is 27. That's me, though. I just had to double check that. He's 28 this year, in fairness. Grant Hanley is younger than me. Yeah. Two years younger than me. Yep. 
fuck off. Right. And th- the only thing that I remember about Grant Hanley from recent years is him putting the ball in the net for Liverpool when he was playing for Norwich at the start of the season. Genuinely thought he was in the 30s. Yeah, me too. He's Benjamin Buttoning. That's a level of research that you'll find from me on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Um, it will be it will be Mulgrew. Uh, I don't mind Mulgrew. So I actually, I think he's quite good. He just needs a partner alongside him. The last time he looked genuinely effective at centre-half was with Christoph Berra during the campaign in which we uh, Stuart Armstrong gave England that goal. Mm. Um, they were both superb in that game especially, but just generally they, they were playing quite well together. Since then, uh, Berra's broken himself and it, Muldrew yeah. needs someone else beside him that, that can properly help. And I don't think Hanley's that guy. I don't think Cooper's that guy. I don't think Finlay's that guy. You know, it's it's for a country that's previously... Prided itself on having great centre halves and great strikers, we now got neither. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a lot of midfielders. Yeah. Like you we know, got loads of midfielders. Stuart Armstrong doesn't even make the squad. I know, I, I know. That's he, it. He's, he's not really getting the game. Really getting game center, yeah. But he's still a tremendous. He's still. You should have thought it would be a shoo-in just because he has all those attributes. You'd think, well, that's that's someone that we want to start in international football. A couple, of, yeah. If you'd said that a couple of years ago, you'd find that in comparison to who had, like, if you'd said. Two years ago, that Ken McLean would be a mainstay of the squad, but Stuart Armstrong wasn't. You'd have been yeah. laughed at. Yeah, yeah. no, that, exactly, and that's that's but, the nature of it. But I mean, we'll we'll talk about high with the midfield, and <laughs> there is not only just decent players in there; they're playing well. You know, John McGinn is absolutely flying at Aston Villa. Absolutely bossing it. Ryan Jack has been superb for Rangers this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't even be averse to him playing right back. No offence to Stephen O'Donnell, but I, I'm not sure his confidence yeah. might have been knocked slightly from his last couple of international appearances. I, 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 I can see why you'd want to do that, but I would, I would, I think Ryan Jack's been playing well enough that I would want to play him in I, his best position. I completely, like, completely, like, completely agree, but I, I don't know where he'd get in because yeah, there are these other players who are playing so well. McTominay even, he's never shown up for Scotland, um, but the, this week against Arsenal he was superb, he was driving the team forward. He was taking responsibility and doing what we kind of hoped he would do for Scotland, mm-hmm. which he hasn't and, quite yet done. So, And what's quite unusual as well is that usually, I think, especially in the towards the end of the Strachan era, what was driving forward that Scotland team was a bunch of players from Celtic yeah. playing well, playing yeah. together. Yeah. But if you have a look at the squad now, I mean, well, Greg Taylor is technically a Celtic player. Um, no, he is, Gary. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, he, is, he, is, he is, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but um, you've, you've got Callum McGregor and James Forrest yeah. in that team. And Ryan Christie. And Ryan Christie. Yeah. Um, obviously, Christie's still having a good season. McGregor, I, I don't think McGregor's had more than a single day off in the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, absolutely ridiculous. So he, he's just getting worn into the ground. Um, and hasn't, hasn't really performed. For, uh, him and Forrest have not really performed for Scotland yeah. in a while. I wouldn't be adverse to seeing them both yeah. given a rest. Yeah, And I think uh, it's yeah. just that they do need a rest because they've just been but it's, cra- it it's crazy that Scotland constantly. should be the one that's having to think about their welfare and giving yeah. them a rest. Um, but I'm sure... I'm sure um, Steve Clark and consistent if he was what he was to Ryan Jack, he'll make him do a couple of ten K runs and, have a, <laughs> and we'll have a manager complaining about it soon enough. Um aye, uh, Ryan Christie for me has to start. I think uh, this season, especially with his goal against Hibs last week, um he reminds me of the, the wee aliens in Space Jam <laughs> that steal all of the skills and he's basically just gotten much bigger. Like he's he's physically looking better and he, now he's hammering home headers and fifteen just yards. Really in. just super confident. And he's as so well, confident, like, he's scoring for fun, uh, you know. He shouldn't be playing on the right, uh, yeah. which is where he was played, obviously, a wee bit in that uh, Hibs Celtic game. Um, so that that's to his hindrance. But uh, as number ten, I, I, I think, think he's. I, th- I think what Clark needs to do is because we have just this surplus now of midfielders, which is uh, 
it's one of those annoying problems to have. Yeah. In the, in, mm-hmm. Like the same way as we have far too many two left backs, but not but not any right backs. So, is work out what he wants to do, how he does he want to play, and then build, and then which I would imagine was with probably five midfielders at yeah. least. If we play seven, well, to get away with that, like, let's know, put it this way: he's not going to be playing two up top, is yeah, it? Yeah, but is but then try, just focus on getting the best out of that system that like how do we what is a system that allows the midfield to dominate games because we know because all those players that we've talked about can do that the, yeah. they, I mean, if the Celtic players and the Rangers but, uh, and Ryan Jack and stuff they're and McTominay actually they're playing for clubs that expect to see a lot of the ball need to recycle it but are all the expectation is you're going to win that's kind of what we need now for Scotland and yeah okay if we get to a situation where all we do is we the, the midfield moves forward and we've got a striker that just is around to tap stuff in Brilliant. Yeah. That, that, then we can sort. Then we can work on the defence after that. Yeah. And we um, need to brainwash Andy Robertson into thinking he's playing for Liverpool. We should get a red away yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just wear it just all the time. All the <laughs> Anything else you want to say on the squad? Um, obviously, it looks as if Marshall's now the. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, I'd be a bit concerned about our uh, about League One being our backup keepers. It doesn't that you. Know, Marshall, Marshall's been brilliant and he, he pulled off a couple of great saves in the, uh, across the last two games but uh, yeah I, from again we went from having a, play, uh, having a when it was a three we danced between him McGregor and Gordon was now yeah. down to one and two not international class goalkeepers if we're frank I think uh, but I mean it's not that's not a problem until he gets injured like, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Call up Xander Clark? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. No way. No. Um, so obviously Scotland will be playing Russia away on the 10th of October, which is next Thursday, I want yes. to say. Uh, and then we've got San Marino at home. Yes. On yeah, uh, the 12th. You can see just how buzzing I am for this. Huge um, crowd expected. Yep, huge crowd. Well, I had a perfect segue there, but I've absolutely ruined it. So let's just move on to talking what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Ticket prices. Um, there's been uh, a little bit in, I say the news, there's been a bit on social media about the prices that are charged at stadiums across the country um, lately. And as always, I have two men with great opinions here to talk about it. So, Duncan, do you want to take us through what happened at Easter Road? Yeah, so that for the second time this season, Celtic fans, uh, when they were away, um, so they, they did it in the other televised game at New Douglas Park. Uh, they put up a banner about basically feeling, I can't remember exactly what the word said, but basically to the effect of we've been ripped off, yeah. 20, 20's plenty. Um, absolutely admirable, laudable thing to, to say. This being Scottish football, though you can't, uh, you can't. <laughs> you can, uh, there's an awful lot of waterboutery, and so you have uh, a lot of uh, fans biting back at Celtic, being like, uh, back at Celtic fans, being like, this is uh, a bit of a joke considering well, how you treat away fans yourselves. Now, I think what you have to do to begin with is separate the fans and the club. They are two separate things. Although what happens a lot of times is when you have a go at someone's club, the fans jump in and defend them. Yeah. Um, so there was actually today, there was quite a nuanced article, or was it yesterday? A nuanced article from Kieran Devon from The Athletic where he where he wrote, uh, wrote about that and it gave the Celtic fans uh, that were involved in the campaign a bit, a, a bit more space. Because, I mean, it's essentially a banner allows a lot of people to project on what the, mm-hmm. whatever the scene. And so they're talking about that. They, they are talking about the campaign and they're going to protest against the Celtic board at some point. And stuff. But we should also point out it's a lot easier to organise a protest like that at away games. Yeah. Because there's, like, there's much more. And also the element of 
Celtic games at home are not televised by and large, so the banner gets is, is the banners seen more prominently, like when when you're on TV because yeah. you're usually behind the goal because that's where they stick away fans. You also, but there's a if you're a campaigner that you, of course you would do the like it's a it's a legitimate technique to use. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think what we're going to see now is those Celtic fans again. It's as difficult as that. What about Trump solidarity? Yeah. Um, and that's always going to be the issue. And it didn't feel like, and I could be, and I'm quite happy to be correct and stuff. It didn't feel like Celtic fans necessarily reached out to other supporters, associations, clubs, and stuff. They went off of their own back to that. So that allowed, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, we." W-. So that allowed, that gets heckles up because, yeah. frankly, I don't know anyone that can hand on heart recommend Celtic Park as an away day experience. Most people don't go. Because, no. the, the, because it's dreadful. Because you're stuck in a really crap part of the ground. You've got uh, a pillar, at least at least one pillar, obscuring what you're going to be able to see. Uh, and frankly, the authorities are not... Are, they could not give a toss about you. And, and I've got friends who've been coined at Celtic Park and stuff like that. And the police have just kind of laughed in the face when they've tried to report it and stuff like that. That's not... That's not a scared can, punch a hatch fan once. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Uh, like that, and that, sure yeah. it wasn't just a guy with a high vis jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you never catch me. Um, no, I, I think I think uh, no one on earth can deny that that little pizza slice in the corner of Celtic Park is <laughs> bad. Pizza is, slice, well obscured, like, ah, to, yeah, yeah, like is a, is absolutely horrendous. And you know, Celtic Park is a fantastic stadium. It really is. It's a great great ground, great for watching football. But not you know, if you're away fans. All, all mm-hmm. Celtic fans are going to hear when they say this is the away fans' perspective. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, well, that's, that's not true. That's not true. The great play, like, it's it's nonsense. And Have I, you I, heard what Messi and Guardiola <laughs> and, and Xavi have said, and have said about the ground? Exactly. It? So it's, it's it's that sort of thing. And I think that, um, like you said, the, the 20s plenty, um, I completely understand that. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Like, football ticket prices in Scotland are, are really high. Really high. You look at, you go to Germany, you go to France... Let's ignore England. You, you, <laughs> you go to uh, countries uh, across Europe, and and you are not paying that much. To go no, absolutely not. Um, like you've, I, I went to Valencia versus Mallorca a couple of mm. weeks ago, and even that was only twenty quid. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, no, that that's that's fine. That's an acceptable way to price it. However, the point I made on Twitter through the week was clubs in Scotland, out with Celtic and Rangers, really, all of them rely on match day revenue. Mm-hmm. They rely on. Uh, people going up, showing to the, uh, showing up to the game, bums in seats, and that's a huge, huge part because you, you know, you remember when Hearts nearly went to the wall. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was buy tickets, please, and like and keep the money coming in. Yeah, and get, yeah, yeah, keep the money coming in because it is a huge part, and that's because we don't have the the, the sort of high value sponsorships, the high value um, TV, TV deal. deals, all that kind of stuff. That all sort of merges into one, yeah. which means that clubs are. Needing that money, and, yeah. and especially for Celtic and Rangers fans, they will always sell out away sections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I know. If, yeah, if, a, the, yeah. if the demand is there, then they will put the ticket prices up, and yeah. that and that is unfortunate. I, I feel sorry for Rangers and Celtic mm-hmm. fans. I don't often say that, and obviously as a Hearts fan, tickets are boosted for us as well. You know, going yeah. up to Pataudry, going Eastern mm-hmm. Road, going anywhere, the, the tickets are boosted up because it's it's a quote unquote bigger club that's yeah. going to you and what, a, a, a yeah. club that always brings a decent away support. So Aberdeen mm-hmm. especially yeah. have always got a great away support. Hearts and Hibs fluctuates on whether the team are doing well. <laughs> um, but it's it's a huge part of the match day revenue for yeah. clubs. So really, like I, I totally agree that ticket prices are high. 
But I'm kind of on the side of the clubs here. Unless we can sort out the, the external factors, then mm-hmm. the ticket prices so will remain. I think, yeah, I think there's a couple of things that, that are interesting to that. Um, I don't doubt that part of the reason why it's now £32 uh, Easter Road for Category A games is because Hibs have had the bum felt by the authorities a number of times over instance last season. Yeah. Like, uh, And people, people might not want to hear that. And I still do. I, th- I absolutely think that thirty-two pounds is is verging on price price gouging. The sad thing is that well, the, sad, the sad element, but also if you're a football club, you're delighted is it didn't have an impact really on the, the attendance. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, so there's now there's so and, and that's the thing. The clubs, uh, fans have got to be to recognise that there, there might. If they, if, like, it's not to say that if if Hearts fans behaved impeccably the other week, I, I thought they did at least. Um, I'm not sure impeccably, but you know, well, you know, uh, and then the next, uh, the second derby, if that was a, it's not as if that's going to retu- mean a reduction in price next season. It's just, that's not the way. Like the ticket prices don't go down; no. they just like they they stay. They even the Hibs went, yeah. even the Hibs and Hearts went into the championship. They, I think, they stayed the same yeah. because they're just sort of, so you can, you might be able to plateau for for a number of years. Um, Celtic and Rangers is charging each other as fans fifty two pounds for Old Firm is. Madness is 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 and and just ridiculous and just totally pricing out your average fan like and and, and that, 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 what scares me uh, about ticket prices in Scotland is like uh, you know I'm quite you're quite fortunate uh, like not minted but like doing okay like but I see families at, at Hibs games and other games I'm just like how are you how are you afford like I, I don't know I'm not trying to be dickish but like some like when it gets to December time. When I think there's eight games, I think Hearts have got eight games. Five of which are at home. Five of which are at home. If you don't have a season ticket, the month of December, chart knocking out, and I think at least two of them are category A, maybe three. That like you, know, Celtic, so, Hibs, and Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah, so that's kicking on for ninety quid probably. Yeah. Before like, and then out for three games, like it's it, like it's absolute, it's an absolute scandal. So so part of me is yeah is totally it's a bit conflicted because obviously the clubs are trying to generate as much revenue because fans want to see competitive teams. I get that. But the fans actually have the power if we all work together, which yeah. we won't. Because no. it, we won't. Then this is this is why I'm maybe a bit pessimistic about it all. But fact, like because the sponsorship deals aren't there and because the TV deals aren't there, there's a huge opportunity of fans all together working together and saying, you know what, actually this is this is too much. Yeah. We, we're not going to... And, 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 I'm not sure how we show that to the clubs in, in terms of saying like we're not just not paying for that because the fans will the clubs can rationalise empty seats on a, a whole number of bases and they do mm-hmm. like there's you know it's happening a little bit in baseball which I'll not bore people with but like so there's a there's a huge scope for they can say oh well the, the reason that didn't sell out was because this they'll never say actually we're just far too expensive now yeah and the other yeah. problem that you've got is that if a team is doing well. Then more, you know, it's it's easy to boycott a team. Like if you're if you're a Newcastle fan, it's dead easy but to go even, and boycott but even them. They're still not doing that. No, no Hearts, Hearts, yeah. and that's, Hearts and Hibs historically have done that to each other. Yeah, when when prices hiked in the sort of yeah. early noughties, late nineties sort of time, there was boycotts. And mm-hmm. I say boycotts, yeah. like it was still three quarters full. Yeah, it yeah. just it just looked so, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and bigger. so all it does is so, all it does is make your club look bad. Like and and, I, yeah. and clubs clubs. Have fans over an absolute barrel in terms of the emotional, sp- and, and there was that was, um, I'm not. Like, this is isn't this all sound kind of bad or whatever? But like, I can kind of understand uh, last season and earlier this season when all fans were furious and stuff like that because fans are used 
by their clubs. Like, I mean this in the nicest possible, but they, like, all the, like, were emotionally manipulated. Every time, <laughs> every time there's a season ticket or a new kit or whatever, you're, you, the, the, they know what buttons are pressing. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'd be in the same position I was working for the clubs because there's, because there's this, is this emotional bond that cannot be broken. It's, this does not function like any other business. It's not like, it's not like, right, well, uh, I've seen that you've cut their prices. So, um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm no longer a Cine World fan. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, you don't, it, it, there's no, there's no rationale to, being a football fan, and and so when uh, fans are, are essentially manipulated and used the whole time to build up and say you're important, like nothing matters more, then how can the clubs be surprised when the fans turn around and say, "Well, we put all this money in, we fucking listen to us now, like yeah. we are angry. Why can't you do? Any, why can't you do something about it?" Yeah. You mentioned families before, and I know that at least what Dundee do, and probably quite a few clubs do, it, is if kids are under twelve, I think they get their season ticket for a pound. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that the adult that's going with them that also has to buy a season ticket is shelling out three hundred and eighty-five quid. I mean, I think for a championship yeah. season ticket to watch three hundred and eighty-five quid, three hundred and eighty-five quid, and that's that is 10, ten pounds less than my season ticket. Yeah, I know. Thanks. There's but, the open yeah. wound. Rub some more salt into it. <laughs> uh, I got mine for three hundred and forty, but that's because I stupidly bought in an like, early, early you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's I, like, but they've got you. They've got you over a barrel. Yeah. Like that's like, and and. I think, but there is. I'm not going to be too doom alone because, like, even like when you see uh, TV footage when it's Scottish football games, there's still actually a diversity in crowd. Like, if you compare that to if you watch Match of the Day, there's not there's not a lot of young. There's definitely there's not there's, there might be some kids. There's not a lot of teenagers and not like even like guys in their twenties and stuff like that. And not as many because it's just you just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's still there's there's potential there for the fans to work together and and when the fans have the potential if they want to work together to have the clubs over the barrel yeah because because frankly the clubs need the fans just as much as it's a proper symbiotic relationship it doesn't in other leagues it's not quite the same because you know england you you, you could literally have give out free tickets yeah mm-hmm. and you still wouldn't be your bottom line wouldn't be impacted that badly you know your match day revenue wouldn't be that affected match day revenue is the number one source for all clubs in Scotland before, yeah. before sponsorship. So, yeah. And it's, even if you go down to, say, a, a flat £20 rate for clubs in the Premiership, I guess most season uh, most season tickets, most match day tickets are, what, about 26 quid? About 27 that, yeah, quid? 20, 20, so, 20, yeah. if you go down to 20 quid from that, it's not a massive reduction no, in all, terms of the cost, but for the clubs, that is losing yeah, all the clubs 20% yeah. of their match day revenue. Yeah. If the clubs yeah. turned around today and said, right, we're cutting all our ticket prices to 20 quid, all that's going to happen to that club is it's going to lose money. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, or people people will complain about the fact you've not signed more players. Like, so, yeah, the fans can't need to also rationalise that in the sense of that you can't be constantly replying to your club's Twitter feed saying, sign someone, if you're also keeping you know, ticket prices frozen at a certain point. I mean, I would argue that if clubs are a lot more transparent about how much the, everything was costing, that would maybe help them a bit more. Yeah. But th- there has to be that tension. What we should also talk about is just how fucking expensive everything associated with match day is. But like, you know, that, that we don't have a system like like in other places in the world where you get your transport to the ground thrown in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Let's be honest, like, you know, going out for, yeah, it's just like, you know, the food in the grounds is really expensive 
and it's shit largely. Like it's not it's not great, especially if you've been in the Premiership, then it's like a, you know, it's a franchise caterer or whatever and yeah. stuff like. It's not. It doesn't have variety. It doesn't have that. So like your match day as an away fan is all like is there's I don't doubt there's many people able to do an away day in Scottish football. And have like, and I mean, a pro- like, not even a proper way day, not when you get absolutely wasted, but yeah. like having just a couple pints or whatever, and having some food, probably one meal at least, is, is you're still not going to be under forty five, fifty quid, easy. Yeah. And if you want to do what Dun- uh, what Duncan, what Tony wants to do for the uh, Betfred Cup semi final, yeah, uh, he was talking about spending about two hundred pound on the day. <laughs> so uh, if you want to write into us with suggestions on what, to, how, on what Tony is going reach? to be spending yeah. two hundred pound on on be, a big yeah, day out, then the do let us know. Podcast equivalent of Brewster's millions, <laughs> Tony's tens. We will, we will, tens, we'll yeah. be fishing him out of the water of Leith at some point the following week. <laughs> well, probably about twenty five minutes into the game was for two nil down or that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll leave the very depressing and. Uh, Gordian knot that is uh, the issue of ticket prices there. So we have decided to pad out this uh, podcast. <laughs> let's be honest. Just some yeah, some lovely, lovely fella. Yeah, we're all about the honesty here. You this, know. this is not the like, meat in the room. Yeah, not like those <laughs> Glasgow podcasts that uh, try to do the same thing. Uh, and what we have done is we are each bringing a couple of players to the table and we're going to try and decide who is the better one. Yes. Um, this is to ape the ongoing and really tedious Morelos versus Edward debate that Old Firm fans Edward's have. Better. Yeah, <laughs> which I just think Morelos is more. I I think Morelos is more box office. Yes, he is. He is. I absolutely adore. I feel, we're not getting yeah. into it. We're not we're getting, not getting <laughs> into it. We're we're resisting it. I, you see that? I nearly got hooked in there. Yeah. But I had to just draw myself back. Yeah. I'm glad I did. So instead, we've picked three. Other battles. Yeah, other battles. Um, yeah. I think mine is two slightly different players who but still bring a certain je ne sais quoi to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, you've got a, a one that we've already slightly touched we've on touched earlier on it, today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just gently brushed it with our fingertips. Right. And Duncan, you have got one which is uh, going to... to the same. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're reeling them in with yeah. this one. Um, so why don't you actually uh, give us yours first? So who is the best... Secondary or backup striker between Lee Griffiths or Jermaine Defoe? Who would I rather have? Who would so you rather have? Why don't you give us your case for who you would rather have? Uh, this is the thing I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was, I was trying to do like what I was like. Actually, like there was everyone, every combination I was putting in when I was doing my research for this uh, um, last night and not at my desk at work uh, today uh, was. Um, I was like, oh yeah, well, no, that's obvious, that's obvious, that's obvious. Yeah. And then I was like, well, actually, in this one, I don't, uh, mm. yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I think, I think it might be Griffiths, but then at the same time, is how undeniable is the potency of Defoe? Um, and this, I know this is very old firm centric, but let's be honest, no other club in Scotland's got this as a striking, op- first choice striking yeah. option, never mind secondary. Uh, and just always like, just because they are secondary, as opposed to who would you like, who would you build your team around? This is like who you. Thinking in the seventieth minute, I'm one yeah. nil, I'm not one nil down at uh, at New Douglas Park or the Fountain Hope Stadium. I, Shit! Like, <laughs> oh, who 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 do I look down the bench? Who do who do I want to be sitting there? Someone eating a Tunnock's tea cake or <laughs> or Jimmy Defoe? Jimmy Defoe. <laughs> I am going to nail my colours to the mast very loosely because I don't really care that much. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to staple your colours. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah, just with one staple at the top, yeah, yeah. it might get Better. done by the wind. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to pick Jermaine Defoe, and the reason for that is I think he 
seems like somebody who would be more uh, suited to coming off the bench. I think that with Griffiths, uh, he's they've both got winners' mentalities, but I think Griffiths clearly sees himself getting back to the stage where he is Celtic's number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is still technically Celtic's number nine, <laughs> yeah, but you yes, know what I mean. Yeah. Um, he is probably looking at it in, as a case of Austin Edward will inevitably get a big move to a big team either down south or back in France mm-hmm. uh, within the next 12 to 18 months. And Griffiths is probably looking and thinking, right, bide my time, challenge him while he's here, but then I'm going to reclaim that. Um, so that's what he very much has in mind for us with Defoe. He is obviously in a much later stage of his career. Um, he's already made his millions, he's already done his thing, and now he's just looking to be the team player and to just you know fill in as and when he's needed. He's He'll still back himself very much, but I think he is in a very different part of his career to Griffith, so that's why I would go with Defoe. I Aside really, from that was that, very well argued. I really yeah. like your reasoning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with you because this is a podcast, and God damn it, that people want entertainment. And we need minutes. I mean, we need debate. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go for Lee Griffiths um, purely on something you said there, Duncan. What would you do with 70 minutes on the clock? You're one nil down, or you're drawn one each, and you need to win whatever. Jermaine Defoe needs service. That's what he needs to score. To score his good goals, he needs to be played mm-hmm. in. Uh, and, and you know as a penalty box striker there's there's no one else like him in mm-hmm. Scotland I don't think I think he may even be better than Morelos in the penalty area just in terms of finding space having that experience blah blah Lee Griffiths can score from anywhere at any time he has that magic in his boots that he can hit it from distance can hit free kicks um, he can you know he's even effective really effective at bringing other players into play playing those one twos and knowing exactly where to be to hit the ball I think the magic that he has his ability to score out of absolutely nothing which he's been doing for his whole career that gives him the edge if you're talking about a secondary striker that gives him the edge in my opinion you've won the over Rob you were, it was well argued Gary but I think yeah I, I, I think I suppose it would depend on the type of game as well but like yeah I think if you're wanting professionalism Defoe's your man like, into, you, but again Do you mean Defoe is amazing it, at coming on and scoring when Rangers are already 3 up yeah. <laughs> he is fucking class at that but yeah, but, yeah if, you're, if you're up against it I think you, I think you do want Griffiths like I think yeah, neither of them are necessarily um, yeah I think I, I suppose again it, it all depends on what you want like if you want from your secondary striker do you want someone that's, that's going to be complementary to your leading striker or do you want something completely different or that is you know is Kind of um, like an angry young man that wants to prove himself, type yeah. thing. or an angry mid twenties man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got some late twenties. Late twenties, yeah. and uh, yeah, and I'll just leave it there because I was about to say something <laughs> incredibly rude. Uh, yeah, Lee Griffiths for me. Yeah, well, you keep your wee guy mentality and worry about being, <laughs> worry about being behind in the seventieth minute. Not that that'll ever happen to my team. Um, so I have gone. Oh, I seem to be calling someone by accident. Fowler, he's going to be furious. <laughs> Absolutely furious. He's just trying to FaceTime He's going to be livid. Oh, doesn't matter. He's, he's going to appear there like an angry yeti in the next couple of minutes. Yes. And, he'll, but, just, he'll pop his head around and we'll yeah. just tell him to fuck off. Um, yeah. Anyway, fine. that's too much of a peek behind the curtain for you. We're going to shut those curtains and we're going to open up a new set of curtains. <laughs> and what, a, what a fantastic analogy. <laughs> We've got <laughs> new ones. And when you open up these curtains, you see two players. Why are you seeing curtains? <laughs> Because there are two young men with potentially potentially glittering careers ahead of them, Uh, but they do play slightly different positions. Um, So as Duncan's already alluded to, this is actually quite a difficult 
game to play um, <laughs> because you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to think of two players who play in vaguely similar positions. Maybe you're trying to match them at similar parts of their career and probably at similar levels of uh, oh, quality. We, we, as we well. understand the game, guy. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. but I'm, I'm just setting the scene here because I've. <laughs> I've probably picked. You're stalling, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I am slightly. Because yeah. um, I've picked uh, a player who's probably more of a number six and a player who's more of a number eight. So I've gone with Alan Campbell of Motherwell and Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen mm-hmm. as my tough, uh, tough choices. And I think this maybe boils down to what your philosophy is yeah. on football. Do you think that your midfield should be a, a, a war zone? The trenches? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's somewhere where there should just be limbs flying everywhere? Or do you think it is a launch pad? A place where dreams can be made? <laughs> <laughs> Free kicks can be taken, um, and, and that's that's the podcast. Right, guys, thank you for that. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, so, basically, who would you pick for your midfield? I am going to plump for Lewis Ferguson. Uh, I really like Lewis Ferguson. I, I liked him. I liked him when he was at Aki's and then he went to Aberdeen, and he's really just propelled himself. Now, obviously, he had the he had the the sort of comfort blanket of Graham Shinney for a while mm-hmm. that's now gone but he's still thriving and what is a team that is doing not the thriving <laughs> um, Lewis Ferguson he, just every time I see him play it, it brings me a little bit of joy I just mm-hmm. I really enjoy the way he, he goes about his business he's tough he is tough uh, he can get stuck in but at the same time he's got a good range of passing he gets forward he can get goals um, he's, he's my kind of midfielder Alan Campbell I, I really really enjoy and I think that he was overlooked a lot last year because of the because of Turnbull because of the emergence mm-hmm. of Turnbull mm-hmm. and then obviously hasty to one side of him yeah. as well yeah. and I think it was kind of overlooked Who's <laughs> exactly <laughs> that, that Rotherham winger um, <laughs> yeah I, I think that Campbell came through and was uh, loved revered by the Motherwell mm-hmm. fans almost immediately mm-hmm. Um and then he was usurped by <laughs> the other two guys. But you shouldn't sort of look away from the fact that the Motherwell fans have always had this sort of deep love for Alan yeah. Campbell because he's all action. He will fly into tackles, but he can pass. He can score as well, as we saw very recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's got that ability in his game as well. But for me, there's just something, there's a bit more, there's a bit more of a different edge about Lewis Ferguson um, that I, I really enjoy. So I, I would I would go for Ferguson, but I really really like both players. I think they're both great. Yeah, similarly, I'd happily take both at hearts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. Two more yeah. players that can get injured. <laughs> yeah, similarly, I think uh, I would love to have. Uh, yeah, again, I would gladly drive both of them to East to, to the Hibernian Training Centre. Yes. Um, and, and build my midfield around them. But if I was to pick one of them, it would be Ferguson, um, and. And just because of two, if you're thinking who do I want to build my midfield around, I think Ferguson just edges it. And all, and I think there's an element of it is the things that he's adding to his game, but the fact that he's shown a willingness to, by virtue of, of leaving Aki's and going to Aberdeen and proving himself, that was the thing. I don't, I don't think Ferguson was a was a, a dead cert to be part of that midfield when he was signed. I think yeah. they saw him as a two three years that we can develop him even further and stuff like that. And he, and he is someone who grasps. Then we go to get their end. Uh, opportunities, and yeah. he said, oh, "Fuck it! Like you're, uh, I've, I've proven myself, and I'm going to retain here." Yeah. There's not, and this is these are all things I'm not trying. I'm not saying there's weaknesses to Campbell's game or anything like that, but they are different players. It's but a I, tough but, game. But yeah, yeah, this is a hard time. game. But there's just, I just love watching Lewis Ferguson more. And if I was to start a midfielder, if you know, you're given the choice, like who do you want to start to build your midfield around? Yeah, Ferguson gives you a lot more options. Like you, know, I think. 
Um, I mean, I'd say they're, they're, I was about to say tough tackling midfielders are ten a penny, but Hibs have proven that it's not, it's not actually <laughs> the case. But uh, but Ferguson has a special talent that is not seen is not seen and not um, replicated easily, and is and has a sheer will of personality to make that a difference in games. And I yeah. think that would be why. I would pick him. There's, there's but a, again, it's a close run thing. There's, there's a hint of recency bias for me because mm-hmm. I, I saw Ferguson playing against Hearts in the, the Betfair mm-hmm. Cup. Yeah. Uh, two dreadful teams to watch. <laughs> but uh, what I, what I, I really liked was uh, Ferguson's discipline. So as soon as Aberdeen realised that Machino is quite good at football and he was getting space in between the midfield and the defence, Ferguson dropped right back and he was kind of playing centre-half sometimes. He was getting that mm-hmm, deep. Mm-hmm. But essentially, that was to completely nullify Machino. So he would allow Machino to drift into space as soon as he got it. Bang. Hit. And he'd take the ball off him. He wasn't just putting tackles in. He was taking the ball off him quite a lot as well. And he showed so much discipline to essentially, in a way, man-mark um, an attacking midfielder, a quick sort of tricky attacking midfielder. And he was absolutely brilliant at it. And and to the extent that Machino was was withdrawn because he, he wasn't having an effect on the game anymore. And that was... And that shows, a, and that, that shows a mentality and a lack of ego that would that would allow yourself to do... You know, that is, you could you could have passed that job on to someone else. Yeah. But he was like, actually, no, I'm the best person But he, he has it about him. He has the, he has the mindset. Um, as I say, Alan Campbell's done this numerous times yeah. for Motherwell as well. He's, but, he's approaching 100 appearances for Motherwell. Which is, at the yeah, age of yeah. 21, I think. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I mean, just, as, just, as well, just as well we can probably fast track them into the Scotland squad because we oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one, one of the reasons that Pick Campbell was, as we've already covered to death here, you know, he was overshadowed last season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that obviously with Turnbull not he's being a lovely, there, lovely yeah. player. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's also been overshadowed a little bit at the start of the season by the uh, great form that Liam Donnelly shows. Yeah. Start of the season before yeah, we just yeah. started getting sent off for things left, right, and centre. <laughs> um, so I thought it was just good to remind people that Alan Campbell is there. He exists. He, he, ma- he makes that like, tick for over. someone that has played that. He is so good and yet so under the radar. Like yeah, yeah like it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to be that highly rated yet underrated. If that yeah, makes sense, yeah. absolutely. Um, so we'll move on to our let's stay in Lancashire final pick. So I believe you've picked two former Livingston centre halves. Oh, that is. <laughs> You've kind of given the game away there. <laughs> I think even the hardest of thinking will be able to work out who that is. Uh, Marvin Andrews. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've gone for uh, Declan Gallagher versus Craig Hulk. Um, and I, I wonder what side you're going to come down on here. I'm puzzled. I, I said it earlier on in the podcast, I really like Declan Gallagher. I think the Motherwell have had iconic centre-halves in the last few years with uh, the likes of you know Aldred scoring goals against Aki's. Cedric Kipri being what he was, uh, the absolute mountain at the back. But now they've got a guy that they can just hang their hat on and say, he's going to make our defence better. He's going to make the players around about him better. You can make and hype, can you can make hype videos about him as well. You can make hype videos about him all the time, as much as you possibly can. And that's what they've done. No, I, I think that a lot of the reason why Motherwell have been playing well, they have been playing well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, I yeah. can say that. Yeah. I mean, they've done a couple of dodgy results, but... Yeah. The reason that they've been doing so well isn't because of the, the likes, you know, Devante Cole and, and uh, Seedorf and, and all these guys who have been very effective in the... And are grabbing the highlight reel almost. Like it, no, it, totally, it, and, and that's absolutely understandable. Like Turnbull did last year, yeah. Alan Campbell was overshadowed, but at the back, obviously Motherwell are, are trying their fucking hardest to make sure that we don't forget about their back line. <laughs> uh, Declan Gallagher has been absolutely superb for them. Like I said earlier on in the podcast, I won't cover old ground again, but a threat going forward... 
um, incredibly <laughs> a, th- a threat. A threat. Uh, very good at defending as well, and I, I think that you know the the game that, that springs to mind that would be a negative for him this year was against Ross County, um, mm. and he was. He rushed out of position um, at, at one stage. He was then nutmegged and uh, Ross County got a goal back. And I, he, it, he did not cover himself in glory there. But for every moment like that, you'll, you'll find that he's got five moments doing, doing the other. And but, being incredibly good. And I, but I think that would be my slight concern about Gallagher is the moments like that where he doesn't... Where, that, where the games against Ross County, if you're a top-class defender, should be... The stroll in the parks, if, like you know, like he's got the mentality for the big games. Like he obviously thrives on that, and you saw him like last season. A lot of times when um, when the big team, big teams came to when he was uh, la- laughing in Rangers, yeah, yeah when, it, when they like came that, to yeah. the, the Which Am- I completely endorsed. yeah the, um, the, the Ammonfield Thunderdome, <laughs> like you know, like that that, that was that, that's fine. But like you, the, for for Motherwell, the games against Ross County are your bread and butter. Those are those are the, those are what you're that's going to be the difference between whether you're pushing for top 6 yeah. or you're kicking about ninth place with nothing to play for going into the last few games of the season for the split. Totally. I, and I think that you know that is maybe a reason why he and this is no disrespect to Motherwell at all why he ended up at Motherwell and I not mean, going to it, an Aberdeen or a Hibs I mean that, or I, I think like I think for me that's that's, that's kind of thing who's better at the two well Halkett was the one that was signed by Hearts. Like if you want me, like if you're going to be, if you're going to be, well, if the, if the Hibs fan is saying it, I, I wouldn't have dared to say such <laughs> yeah. a thing. No, um, but you know, but, like yeah. uh, that, the people looked around and saw, and, uh, and we can't deny there there is baggage with Declan Gallagher that we refer to, like, and that might be a reason why he didn't get the move that he probably feels maybe entitled to. Yeah, um, you just need but, to watch but, Livingston last season; he is entitled yeah. to it as well. And, and Motherwell is still a good move for him as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Consistently, <laughs> consistently done well in cup competitions recently. They've just recently sold a set and a half for over a million pounds down mm. south. Yeah, it's still a very, very attractive prospect, and it's, it's a great signing for Motherwell. A and again, for him as well. And again, like the like the um, the Campbell Ferguson, it's, it's not saying he's a, he's he's worse. Well, he's slightly worse, but he's just not as good as. And, yeah. and 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 that's the thing. The move on Halkett is just—he's an absolute dreamboat of a centre half, really. Like it's just like you're just like, oh, for f- like you are. He's one of those and not a players where you're just like, how did we not? How did we not see this when they were in the championship? Never mind. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think a lot of clubs in Scotland, a lot of Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen and stuff, have got to take a bit better responsibility. Even clubs like Dundee and stuff, there are players that are of a huge potential. In champ, playing championship and like, like Warren Shanklin, for example, exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same. Um, yes. Twice this season, Craig Halkett saves Hearts Cup bacon. Yeah, yeah both times playing as a centre forward. <laughs> yeah, uh, which, is, which is what he uh, started off as yeah. when he was a Rangers youth. Um, I I love Craig Halkett, but he's not without his deficiencies as well. I mean, I'll talk about his, his plus points first and foremost. A leader, and then we'll end on a back note. That's exactly. Yeah, uh, he's a leader. He's, you know, alongside Berra in that defence, Berra shouts and yaps and talks to the guys around, uh, around about him, so does Halkett. And that, I think, is a really strong start for any team. There's two guys at the back who can see the entire park in front of them who are able to uh, communicate with the players around about them. Halkett has had the, the sort of joy um, of having Michael Smith on his side mostly <laughs> and Berra's been dealing with Hickey. But even then, Hickey's you know, come out and said that, ah, yeah, with, you know, Halkett, Halks talks me through games. You know, he's he's shouting over in that direction as well. Positionally, um, 
mostly all right, but I, I feel bad for him because a lot of the time this season he has been doing the work of two men because Christoph Berra <laughs> is still a Hearts player. Um, and I think that you know in the air, he's absolutely brilliant. He can take the ball out of defence. He can go on big, long mazes. Um, he's set up a couple of goals this season just by sprinting out of defence in the midfield that he's up against going, I fucking can't do that. <laughs> no. And then before he knows it, he's at the edge of the 18-yard box. And it's like, right, well, how did he get there? It's because he just knows. He looks up, plays with his head up, um, good with the ball at his feet, but also just defensively. Um, he thunders into tackles. He, he makes the, the right decisions a lot of the time as well. Uh, and you're right, he's a dreamboat, and I'm going to miss him for the hopefully only eight weeks, potentially three months, um, that he will now be out for because he got kicked on the side of the leg and somehow that ruptured the ligaments in his knee. For fuck's sake. And that was that was him like wearing the captain's armband as well. That shows you how much Levine loves him. It's incredible to have that within a couple of weeks. Like I've been at the club. Bear in mind, Michael Smith, Glenn Whelan both started that game as well. You know, these are two experienced guys. Um, but no, he went, no, Halkett's, Halkett's my guy. Um, I am dreaming and know that I'll never see a set of half partnership with John Suter and Craig Halkett. <laughs> I would love to see it, but I just... It won't happen. I saw it against Cowden B. There you go. So you had it once. So that's fine. Uh, but at the end of it, I would take Halkett over Gallagher, but that's not to say Gallagher is in any way a, a bad player. I think he's I think he's a smashing defender. Excellent. Well, we will leave it on that note, gents. We are heading off to I the I love pick. leaving podcasts on the note of Craig Halkett. Yeah. <laughs> or the sure. note of injured hearts player, because <laughs> if you've been short of opportunity to talk about that. Indeed. Sue, we are going to head over to the Patreon to tell you what to watch this weekend. Um, but if you're not a subscriber, why the heck not? Get your money to us. We talk about stuff. It's good. It's actually quite good, yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> uh, and it's not just us. We uh, we do rope other people in as well. Uh, at the moment, the first part of me dissecting Ivano Benetti's signings along with um, the other posh Dundee fan, Alan Patillo, <laughs> is available on Patreon. And there'll be more of that and of other stuff too. So... Go to the Patreon, sign up, keep an eye on the Twitter account, there'll probably be stuff up there too. Uh, and watch and the telly programme. Yes, of course, sorry. It is not related to, it is not off this podcast, but it it's is associated. Ad- it is adapted from the podcast, and that's a very important word exactly. that has been uh, curated for 10.30pm Friday night. Yep. DC Tell your friends, Scotland. put on the iPlayer, yeah. on repeat. Yep. <laughs> So we're going to head off now and let Fowler edit this audio because I have made so many mistakes. <laughs> Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.